Are we ready to begin? Good morning! My name is Misty. Come on, Ike, it's time. We would be honored if you would join us. The greatest adventure of all time. Yeah. We just become best friends. Yep. Come on, let's get in the character. Well, well, I'm properly caffeinated now. Whew, thank goodness. After all those fallacies you've been showing me this week. <laughs> Fallacies. Fallacy. Fallacy. Let's not desecrate today's episode no, with any of that. No, today is too important. It is a historic day in it's, this. Yeah. Of the 365 days. Yeah. Today is a historic day. It is. Why? Because uh, Ruth Bader, not Bader, not yes. with a T, it's a D. D. Ginsburg. Yes. In 1993, was sworn in as the second female and the first Jewish female uh, in the Supreme Court. Yes, she was. That's right. RBG, the notorious RBG. And we will give the I next have. 14 and a half minutes in her honor. We're gonna. I have my. I even have my little pocket RBG wisdom book here on my desk. What is contained in the pages of your handbook? There, I haven't never read well, it. <laughs> I'm so glad you asked. I, a friend of mine on tour, gave this to me, and it says "Supreme Quotes and Inspired Musings" from Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And whenever I was having a rough day, I would grab this book and open it and read one of her quotes. <laughs> and what's your favorite one? You know, I. There are so many of them. How about this? Like she's just flip it to a random page and just okay. give us some knowledge. Feminism. I think the simplest explanation and one that captures the idea is a song that Marlo Thomas sang, "Free to Be You and Me." Free to be if you are a girl, a doctor, lawyer, Indian chef, anything you want to be. And if you're a boy and you like teaching and you like nursing, you could like to have a doll too. That's okay. All right. Ruth. And Ruth. And Ruth. I just looked up uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg quotes. She's a, she had a lot, you know? Uh, you actually said something to me right before we started this that <clears throat> I think is really cool. She didn't become a Supreme Court justice until she was 60. Yeah, that's, that's nuts. And she was there until she was 89? 87-ish. When she passed. 89? She stayed on the court until the day that she passed away. That's right. Yeah. I like that fact. Uh, the other fact we were talking about right before. I want you to tell everyone that one because I, <clears throat> it, it's funny to me. It hit me because everyone likes to talk about all of the things that she did to advance women. And this one is something that is so small and so large at the same time. Yeah. And that no one would ever think about. Yeah. Uh, number nine, I have a list of 16 uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg facts. And number nine on uh, harpercollins.com slash blog slash blah, 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 is even though Sandra Day O'Connor sat on the U.S. Supreme Court for 12 years before Ruth Bader Ginsburg was appointed, the court did not have a women's bathroom until Ginsburg pointed it out. The Supreme Court yeah. did not have a women's bathroom. The Supreme Court of the United States of America did not have a women's bathroom. Now, not to throw any shade hmm. or not to linger in that moment for too long, but uh, she did have some flaws. I think this one is cute. Uh, excuse it's on, me? It's on this list. We would call those quirks, not flaws. Okay, we'll, we'll, call, it a, we'll call it a quirk. Okay. 
Uh, on the same list of 16 things, um, number 11, Ginsburg is a self-proclaimed terrible driver. <laughs> I think that's adorable. I can't even picture her driving. Yeah, something her husband often oh. teased her about. Guess how many times she failed her driver's test? Oh, no. <laughs> how many? She failed her driver's test the first five times oh. she took it. Oh. So an in, an incredible person of the law, but but could not. I bet you she could quote test. you every driver's I bet law. She could, but uh, operating that motor vehicle wasn't her strong oh, suit. Oh, that's funny. Hopefully, Supreme Court justices are appointed a driver to escort them around. I would think that they probably are pretty protected. Yeah. that they would have a driver and probably yeah. some security with them all the time. And I think their They're, their time is probably more valuably spent studying the law to and from this the courthouse as than driving. Than driving. Yeah. yeah. Especially it's, when you're 80 something years old. It, it's funny that you bring that up cuz it's something you know I'm an avid huge fan of the West Wing. And what yeah. you know they're famous of course for the walk and talk. And one of the things that I always like just kind of threw me off is when they would show up in the morning, they would walk like a lot of them would walk from their homes to the White House mm. and like go through the security at the front gate of the White House. And I was like, wait, the chief of staff doesn't have a driver. Huh? Yeah. That's weird. That right? is weird. It's like once you get down a certain rung. Right. Like, <laughs> like the chief of staff is like pretty yeah. high up there, you yeah. know? He's just on his, he's texting and driving. <laughs> right? I'm just like, what? Yeah. Anyways. Did you know that she uh, appeared uh, as an extra? Uh, no. Yep. In uh, what? Despite the, the West Wing? I'll die. With I'll die. Anthony Scalia. Oh, no, another an, Supreme an, Court justice. Antonin Scalia, sorry. Uh-huh. Despite their conflicting political views, Justice Ginsburg and the late Justice Anne, Scalia. Yeah, Scalia. Let's just go on that. Yep. Were close friends and shared a love of the opera. Okay. They appeared as extras in a party scene of Richard Strauss's Ariande Auf Naxos in 2009. There's even an opera that was written about their friendship called Scalia Ginsburg by Derek Wang. Interesting. Yeah, right. Yeah, because they they were polar ends of the spectrum very often. But how interesting that they could be friends and enjoy the opera together. You know, it's one of those things like I I kind of I I mean, obviously, I wish that more people were able to reach across the aisle and, and see logic. And I like to think that you, you know, they were two people that could have political or legal discourse and argue about things. And then at the end of the day, be like, but that's work. Yeah. Like I just because your you view this or your perception of it is different mm-hmm. doesn't mean you're a horrible person. Yeah, it's kind of like you and I debating pop culture all day long, and right? Then heading over to the bowl for a concert, R- right? Yeah. Which, by the way, started last weekend. Yeah. Um, and I got stuck in the traffic every day. Yeah. Because the studio is nowhere close to the bowl whatsoever. Nowhere close <laughs> to the bowl. Whatsoever. Don't even come looking for it. No. Um. Yeah. Do you have any facts? I don't want to dominate um, this whole thing. So I do. <clears throat> um, <laughs> so clearly, like when she was growing up, things were tough for women. Mm-hmm. Like we were not exactly viewed as the same. Um, her mom was actually a, a, a very, very intelligent woman and a brilliant student but her family could only afford to send one of their children to college. Mm. So at the time, they sent her brother, so Ruth Bader Ginsburg's uncle, mm-hmm. to college. And 
a lot of people, you know, a lot of family members would be usually be pretty resentful about that. But mm. her mom's response was pretty amazing. She took a job working in a garment factory to help her family pay for her brother to go to, go to college. Oh, wow. So RBG took those lessons to heart. And, um, you know, Cecil- Celia wanted her daughter to get an education that she never was able to and pushed Ruth in school. And throughout her entire life, Ruth would always say she would cite her mother as her greatest inspiration that she was able to sacrifice something like that. Mm -hmm. And that that's why she excelled because she wanted to make her mom proud. Yeah. Well, another thing that has to do with her mom and school is that Ruth is act, is not actually Ruth Bader Ginsburg's first name. Right. This is amazing. Yeah. She was bo- born Joan Ruth Bader mm-hmm. in 1933 to Nathan and Celia Bader in Brooklyn. When it was time to enroll her daughter in school, Celia Bader learned that there were a number of girls named Joan in the class. So they opted to call her Ruth to avoid confusion. Yep. That's some pretty forward thinking. Like right? giving her her own identity and Absolutely. Like letting her be an individual. That's pretty great. Do you know she met her husband in college at Cornell and they were together from the day that they met until the day that she passed? Um, well, I, the only reason I know that is because I have another fact here <laughs> about while they were in college together in law school, he got cancer. Right. Well, and she had a, a newborn. Right. So she was taking care of yep. him. And the newborn, and helping him catch up on his studies, and her own studies. So she did eventually get to go to college, which I think is implied by the fact that she's a federal court judge. Yeah, but yeah. Her, her mom put her through college mm-hmm. by herself. Yeah, That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so he beat cancer, I guess. He did. Through, with her help. He did. Yeah. Yeah. She, um, she once lost a job because she was pregnant. Is this, is this the one where she was wearing baggy clothes to hide her pregnancy? Yes. Um, she made the mistake of mentioning she was pregnant to another employee. And she was working at the Social Security Administration. Oh. And they figured that a pregnant woman wouldn't be able to do her job nearly as well. So they demoted her and cut her pay. Wow. <laughs> and that was her first experience with discrimination in the workplace. It's insane. Is it? Let me. I'm gonna read this cold to see if it's the same thing. It could be a second one. Um, but uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg knows firsthand the struggles of mothers in the workplace. In fact, when she learned that she was pregnant with her second child, she wore baggy clothes until her contract as a professor at Rutgers University Law School was renewed out of concern for discriminatory employee practices. Yeah, that was the second time. Second. Wow. Yeah. That's insane. Um, can we flash onto my screen so I can yep. show you how cute she was? Look at that. Look at her. Cutie. Wasn't she cutie? Yeah. Like, is there a picture of just, her and her husband and their kids when they're, I'll look it up when they're young? Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, not sure. Um, so really funny, her husband was the domestic one. Uh, <laughs> they spent 50 happy years together. He gave the simple answer when asked how they made it work. My wife doesn't give me any advice about cooking and I don't give her any advice about the law. That's insanely funny. Isn't that great? Apparently he was an amazing chef and any of Ginsburg's law clerks could always expect homemade cake from him on their birthdays. Look at that. How domestic is that? That's Oh, there they are. Yeah. Look at them. Here's a bunch. Here's them early on. Um, Here's the whole family. If you're just watching. 
Uh, if you're just listening, go ahead and check it out on um, the If YouTube. you're just listening, just know they're the cutest. Yeah. I'm trying to find an old school picture. She's just so tiny. She was only 5'1". Wow. Yeah. Um, so when she started law school at Harvard, she was one of only nine women in a class of over 500. Wow. Yeah. Um, Martin took a job in her hometown, so she transferred to Columbia. Um, and that allowed her to earn one of the f- countless first in her life. She was the first woman ever to be on two major law reviews, the Harvard Law Review and the Columbia Law Review. She graduated first in her class. Of course she did. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. And then nobody would hire her. After she graduated, she was the top student in her class, glowing recommendations. She went to land a job as a clerk with the Supreme Court Justice, and they all turned her down because she was a woman. Hmm. She ended up taking a job that she was completely overqualified for. And, yeah. You know that she, you know what jabbits are? Jabbits. Like so, Javits or Jabbits? J-A-B-O-T-S. I don't know what that is. RBG is known for her Jabbits or collars. Oh, or collars, yeah. Yeah, that right. she made over right. her judicial robes. Sandra Day O'Connor and Ginsburg decided that since the traditional robes accommodate for showing a man's shirt and tie, as women, they would wear something that put their own twist on the style. I love that. That's pretty cool. I think it's so cool. Have you ever seen On the Basis of Sex, the movie about her? Uh, I just saw the cover on something else I was Googling. It's pretty great. It's uh, pretty great. What's that available on if people want to go watch it? Oh, where can you find it? Hold where on. Where can you find it? Here, I got it right here. It might be on iTunes. Oh, I'm sure you can get it on iTunes. Um, Who played her? <clears throat> Who is that? Uh, Felicity Jones played her. Okay. And <laughs> Army Hammer played Martin, her husband. <clears throat> <clears throat> Uncomfortability acknowledged. Um, Moving right along. Also, can I tell you, he's back in the neighborhood. Okay. You know he lived in my neighborhood. I did not know he's that. He's back. All right. Mm-hmm. That's a whole other episode. Don't feel safe. Um, so let's see. It came out in 2018. Did you find... Oh, uh, well, that's the official trailer. While you're looking for that, can I throw something back on the Jabbits? Yeah. Oh, you can get it on Amazon. Okay, cool. There you go. Um, the collars that she wore were more than a fashion statement. Uh, she wears particular collars to denote her opinion on a ruling. Her majority opinion lace collar was a gift from a former clerk, whereas a mirrored necklace serves as her dissent collar. Whoa, I never knew that. So you can tell how she's going to vote on something by the way she shows up dressed. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Sneaky little RBG. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's super interesting. Um, she played the cello and was in Honor Society. I'm not surprised by and that. was a baton twirler. What? They, you know, the whole, yeah. This is sign language for twirling batons. Wow. I twirled a baton as a child. I can tell. I can tell. My, my mother had one laying around the house. Yeah. And I th- knocked myself out many times with it. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Um, so this is one of the things that I have always... Um, known about her and had I mean overall clearly I have a huge sense of respect for her but this really like hits home for me Mm -hmm. um after years of not being paid correctly um you know not having any kind of pay parity with men and not being hired for certain jobs um just blatant discrimination she found herself in a position to make some change she founded the women's rights project at the ACLU 
and she finally got to go to work. Within a year of becoming the project's general counsel, the organization had embarked in over 300 gender discrimination cases. Wow. She took six of those cases to the Supreme Court and won five of them. And that was just the beginning of what she did. That was what she did as the start of her career as a lawyer. Um, So, I mean, everything that you read about is how intelligent she was Mm -hmm. and how shrewd she was. So, like, that woman would scour every end of every legal textbook to find a way to win her cases. Mm -hmm. Um, She spent over a decade in the legal system as a lawyer, and she knew that things were, that just wasn't enough. So that's where her true genius began to show. Instead of trying to get the Supreme Court to ban discrimination, she strategically cut away at the countless sexist corners of the law. She was so cunning over half the time, people didn't even realize what she was doing. Mm. She would defend men, and in her court cases with men, she would set precedents for females. That's insane. That's really smart. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. They have a quote here that uh, I think lends to your point is fight for things that you care about, but do it in a way that will lead others to join you. Absolutely. So I think that's great. You stand up for yourself, but you don't off put the other side so much that they're just like, which is what I think our country is going through mostly right now. We're so divided. Definitely. And it's like, if you don't agree with me, then F off. But like, let's all just figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Compromise. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's the thing you, you want to, you know, any good person in a debate would tell you the key to debating is to get that other person to end up on your side at the end of it. And making your point for you. Yeah. 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 And that's what she was an expert at. Yep. So I could literally sit and talk about this one for hours, but we are 17 minutes in already. Well, if there's somebody to go over on, it's RBG. Yeah, right? Ugh. And you guys will never know what led us to do this episode instead of another episode, but I think this was fate. I think it was fate so and that I could showcase my... RBJ. RB, I want to say J I'm, every time. I know. I'm going to put it back up here where it lives on my shelf right behind me. Just All out the of frame. time. Yep. Just She's out always of frame. <laughs> well, real change, enduring change, happens one step at a time. And real Misty and Ike yes. happens one episode at a time. It does for 15 minutes. And this has been a real honor of an episode to be able to tray pibute. Pibute tray. That's what we do on this show. We tray pibute. We do. We do. Yep. Uh, oh, I had to. My, my glasses are steaming up because it's so warm in our studio today. It is a little warm. I can't, I can't see. But since it's not Friday. Or any other day of the week. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>